This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. On this edition of the podcast, this might not sound as important as making your penis bigger, but it's actually maybe the most important thing in the bedroom. And Dr. Lori, that is improving your communication skills. Especially in the bedroom, because being able to talk about your sexuality, being able to talk about your values, your your interests, your desires, all of these things improve intimacy, improves connection. Like it's it's amazing how we can get through life without knowing how to communicate like this. Mm-hmm. Like this is a very vital part of a, a, a healthy sexuality and for a lot of couples for example they often lose their intimacy and connection because they're not communicating they're you know they're not connecting on that level and so they move away from sexuality so improving that level of communication improves um desire improves intimacy improves connection ultimately improves pleasure uh, because when you're able to talk about what it is that you want, what it is that you need, all these things matter mm-hmm. and they make you a better lover. Yes. And they're also things that take work, no different than exercising or learning or remembering things for a test mm-hmm. or getting better at your job. Like it, they don't happen. Like it's not magic. Right. It's not magic. It's not simple. It's It sounds like it should be just an instinct for everybody, but that's not what this is about. We learn how to be good communicators. You learn these skills. And once you have these skills, then it becomes far more natural, far easier. And part of the problem is who teaches us these skills? Yes. We don't learn them at school. We don't talk. Our parents don't teach us how to talk about sexuality openly, like, so where are we supposed to learn this stuff? It, it's not instinctive Is it for many of us. Is it fair to say that when it comes to improving your communication skills in the bedroom, that many people aren't like miles and miles away from being good. It's it's just little subtle things they need to change or their viewpoints they need to change. Or is it the case yeah. where, no, like people need a lot of help? Um, no, it, it, it isn't really major. When, when you talk about uh, how you approach it, you know, uh, because m- many people get very defensive, judgmental, like these are the things that impede communication. So if you can be mindful about things and conscious about things, then it becomes a whole lot easier. So there has is a lot to do with the mindset. Obviously, if you have a positive uh, mindset, open, you know, an open mind, if you learn how to listen, because a lot of people think communication is about talking, but really it's about listening. So we can teach people how to be better listeners. Um, We can teach people how to be just more clear and specific in terms of the language that they use, Um, choosing the right time and place uh, to have a discussion. All those things can be learned. And And you're right. It's not like huge, you know, huge leaps and bounds to get there it just requires motivation good old-fashioned motivation and the tools and the knowledge we will give you all of that on the way here in a bit of course if you are on social media and on instagram we want you to uh, head on over and make sure you follow our page Please do. Passion with Dr. Lori and John Paul. And there you'll also have information from our guests. So you'll have all of their handles and you'll be able to check them out and the wonderful work that they do. We like to invite guests here that are experts in these in their areas, like today's guest, who is uh, an intimacy advisor and sexual wellness expert, Susan Bratton. So, um, you know, to get news, just updates and, and things like that, we would love you to follow us uh, on the IG. And if you do that, of course, you can send us direct messages with questions or you can go to drlaurie.com and send us your questions and then we answer them in the mailbag. 
Love, sex, relationships. It can get complicated. We all have questions. Dr. Lori helps with the answers you need. And as we look at the uh, submissions, we'll start with this one, Dr. Lori. I am a virgin male of 19 years, and, and though the opportunity to engage in intercourse has presented itself, I've always shied away from intercourse because as a romantic, I would only do it with someone I love, and I've heard that can also cause some discomfort to the female when during her first uh, penetration. I now have a serious girlfriend who wants to engage in sex for the first time, but I don't want to cause someone I love pain. Do you have any advice for the situation? And we thought nice guys weren't out there. <laughs> right? You got to commend this young person for thinking about their mm-hmm. partner, thinking about not wanting to cause her any pain. How wonderful uh, to get something like this. So, But to answer him, first of all, it is perfectly normal for women to experience some level of discomfort with first penetration. Doesn't mean they're in excruciating pain, just a little bit of uh, discomfort, but there are things you can do to minimize minimize that. Uh, I think um, if your girlfriend feels ready, you can always share your own anxieties with her. Talk to her about what you're thinking. Talk to her uh, about your fear of, of inflicting pain. Uh, tell her that you want to go go slow. Obviously, uh, be gentle. You can ask throughout the the penetration or throughout the activity, always check in, right? Is this okay? Can Mm -hmm. I go a little further? Are you okay? Do you want me to continue? Do you want me to stop? Those things are are, are obviously very important. You also want to make sure your girlfriend is fully aroused before you attempt penetration, which means lots and lots of foreplay ahead of time and the use of lubrication is really important here. I think it can really really help. Even though she will probably be nice and lubricated herself, extra lubrication would even help. And also don't forget about using birth control like a condom or make sure she's on the pill or what have you so you're not dealing with uh, an unwanted pregnancy. Also in the mailbag, Dr. Lori, I'm a 28-year-old male, and for the last six months, I've been battling losing my erection, whether I'm masturbating by myself or I'm with a girl. I'm in the gym five days a week, and I eat relatively healthy, but this is taking a toll on my confidence. What should I do? Uh, So, as 28 years old, I highly doubt, well, you know, I question whether this is physical first of all, or simply um, psychological. So the clue for me is that it happens to this guy with masturbation as well as with a partner. So that the first step is to determine, is this psychological or is this physical? But I would encourage when you notice something like this is to talk to your doctor about this first And the doctor is going to probably refer you to a urologist to see what's going on. So we need to first find out what's going on. Let's test the blood flow to the penis. Uh, They can do that. They have special tools that they can do that with. Uh, But we need to figure out and investigate the cause. Uh, uh, There's not enough information for me here to be able to determine what could be going on. But the fact that he loses the erection during masturbation and with a, with a girlfriend as well may indicate that there's something happening physically um, because otherwise I would, I would say, okay, this is, uh, you know, uh, anxiety or like if some, if a guy can function with masturbation, gets full erections, no problem, but has trouble with, with partnered sex, there's nothing wrong with them physically because it's clear the plumbing works. But here, the Mm -hmm. plumbing isn't seemingly working. So we need to figure out what's happening here first. Uh, So that would be the first line of defense. If there's nothing happening, if the investigation shows that there's no uh, uh, venous leakage, for example, in the penis or no other issues, then I would go 
and explore this from a psychological perspective because, you know, even with masturbation, sometimes you can be anxious about what's happening and it can cause you to lose your erection. So uh, who knows what's going on? Some people have issues with masturbation. Sometimes they feel shame and guilt. Sometimes there's all kinds of negativity attached to it that could be causing the performance anxiety, even with solo play. So uh, it requires a little further investigation, more information than, than I've been given here for sure. I, I don't want to be a negative Nelly, but I throw this out because it entered my brain, which is I hear a guy going to the gym five days a week. Uh, traditionally, there's a lot of gym rats that are using more protein powder. Uh, you know, we've heard of steroids and things like That's that. That's different. All, yeah. Some of those things, some of those things do impact the the peen, so yes. to speak. Uh, is there is there something in there that is worthy of saying, hey, if you're doing this, it could be causing that? Well, this is why a doctor will ask all those questions, right? So if he's on right. steroids, uh, we know that steroids have an effect. Like it sh- they shrink the testicles. They have long-term it has a long-term impact on sexual functioning. Like there is a link between those two things, but we need to see like, wh- this is why there's such limited information here. We're just going to keep speculating mm-hmm. when he really needs to have a thorough evaluation done with all these questions being asked of him. Right. There you go. You know, what's in store. Get some, get some answers when you uh, answer some questions and that might get you to a place where you got the rock hard unit when you want it. That's the goal. Uh, we do love your questions, no matter what they're about. Uh, love, sex, or relationships. Uh, you can direct message us on our social platforms, or of course, you can just go to drlaurie.com. Passion for learning, life, and love. Coming up in Sex in the News, the German Catholic bishops are backing blessings for same-sex couples. Uh, more are jumping into today's 2023 world. Details on that here in moments. But first, how do you improve your communication skills in the bedroom? We are joined by Susan Bratton. She is an intimacy advisor and sexual wellness expert. Susan, welcome to our show. So glad to have you. So nice to be with you. Thank you. I've been looking forward. Wonderful. (laughs) Well, it's so nice to talk about communication, but but really around sexuality, because that is the one area that I believe and that I see personally in my practice where people have such a hard time talking just even even outside the bedroom, right? Just talking about sex in general. And then, of course, when you add the bedroom stuff, talking about what one needs and, and all of that is um, it's not so easy to do. So let's let's see if we can facilitate this for our listeners. But there's yeah. one thing you talk about which really grabbed my attention, which is this notion of a sexual soulmate. Maybe you can mm. describe that to us a little bit. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. And it's interesting. I would like to say that though people feel a little intimidated often about, about talking about their sexuality, their desires, et cetera, I just suggest to people that it's simply a learned skill, like every other thing about sex. And uh, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And it pays off in spades. I don't think there's anything you can learn. You know, I started out teaching sexual techniques, pleasuring techniques, and quickly realized all the techniques in the world are no good if you can't have a communication. And it's actually the communication that facilitates the growth and the intimacy. So I started working on bedroom communication skills and even wrote a book called Dirty Talk. The five ways to talk dirty without feeling weird. Oh, I like because that. when people think about dirty talk, they think about it being, you know, just kind of this, you know, dirty, like it's, you know, ah, you filthy whore, blah, 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 you know, or whatever. And, and, uh, there's so many other kinds of worship and adoration. Uh, one of my lovers recently told me that I had a, um, an adoration kink. And I said, I'm not sure that adoration is a kink. I mean, a kink is something that's not normative, you know, wanting adoration is extremely normal. (laughs) Who who doesn't want, who doesn't want to be put on that pedestal? Who doesn't want to be told you are the best, you are incredible, you are whatever it is, right? And I think that's, that's true of both men and women. 
Yes. Being told that they're the best or whatever. It's definitely an equal thing, but you're so right about, it's not about technique. I often tell people like, you want to be a good lover, learn how to communicate and learn how to listen and, you know, learn about what the other person wants. It is not about how great you are in terms of the technical skills that you have. That's just one small part of it. Amen, sister. Right. So um, to answer your question about sexual soulmates, I wrote that book because for the last couple of decades, um, you know, I run a publishing, I I run my own publishing brand. It's called Personal Life Media. Mm. And I've published 44 books and programs. 34 of them are mine. The other, the other 10 are other experts who I thought their work was really seminal, important, and fit in this constellation of what I think suits my brand and my brand of sex, if you will, is heart connected, conscious, passionate lovemaking. It's different. It's, it's kind of vanilla in a way compared to a lot of my counterparts who are teaching BDSM and kink and, and things like that. And Tantra, which is more a little more on the woo woo side for some people. And so over the years, because I'm, because I don't see people one-on-one, I, I send information out to millions of people. Mm-hmm. People email me and of late, of course, slide into my DMs now and ask me questions. And I've answered everyone's questions for free for decades. And I saw, I would, my, my favorite thing to do is give, give advice and then say, report back, you know, tell right. me how it did. And the reporting back kind of, trickled down to these, what I called the six essentials for connected sex. This is the idea that soulmates are not a destined kind of thing. It's not a destiny. Your, your, your sexual soulmate is not out there. You co-create this. It's a collaborative process. Okay. So if it's a collaborative process, what are the things, you know, what is, what is sexual soulmate? What does it take to feel very comfortable, confident, connected, intimate, right. uh, confident in your own ability to give and receive pleasure, um, loved by them, appreciated by them, worshipped and adored by them, um, highly orgasmically responsive, um, able to enter into bliss states together. Um, that's really what I was going for, this, you know, kind of massively satisfying sexuality that isn't just about how hard I came, <laughs> but about how much my heart expanded in the experience of the pleasure we created together. That's what I like to do. Love it. So the six essentials, I can just boom, 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 list them all if you'd like me to. Yes, I do. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, The first one is a communication skill. No kidding. It's a communication skill. It's called the sexual soulmate pact. And it gets around the two things that I think that people struggle with the most. One is, I don't know what I want, but what I'm getting isn't it. Mm. So I'm not going to ask because if I ask and then I can't give good direction, my partner's just going to collapse emotionally and contract and feel like they're doing something wrong and they're going to have the, they're going to, you know, have their ego, you know, crushed Mm -hmm. and then they're going to kind of emotionally check out and then everything is ruined. So I'm just going to sit here in silence and take what I get. Right. And, uh, I've come up with what I think is a ninja technique to get around both of those issues. And in a nutshell, it's, it's so simple. Now, I have all of it explained in much more detail for people who, after they hear this, they're like, okay, I want to remember this, or I want to teach my partner this, or I want to get more, more framework around this. Um, it's at sexual soulmate pact, P-A-C-T.com. So anyone listening can just go there and download the PDF. It's a, it's a complimentary, um, PDF that I have. Wonderful. I, I literally give away my best stuff because I feel like if you, if you change one, very important thing in a person's sex life. They're kind of like, okay, what that was good. What else does she have? What's that? La- what else does that lady have? You know, <laughs> but also you're sharing, you're, you're improving the world one person at a time. So that, that, yes. that's also the mission that you seem to be on, like myself. So it's not about what can I sell? It's more about how can I help? And I love yes. that. 
Yeah. My passion is passion, Lori. <laughs> uh, like mine, like mine. So we're, we are kindred we're, spirits. We're, we're, we're soulmates in that respect, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's the second thing? So um, the second thing is what I would call embodied sex. And that is that I think often I like to say that I transform friction into connection rather than having your genitals rubbing together to get Mm -hmm. off. How can I deepen your heart connection to your lover? And one of the ways to do that, I think often people are just, you know, sticking a penis in a vagina and going at it and trying to have an orgasm and being done rather than looking in each other's eyes, uh, using our verbal skills, uh, creating, you know, listening to music, uh, the lighting being nice, um, stroking our bodies, you know, instead of just like, if you're going down on your lover and you're, you know, you just have their penis in your mouth, you're stroking their body, you're tickling their balls, you're, you know, making sounds. It's all about the senses, the five senses, getting them into play, you know, spinning them all up, if you will. Uh, So that's embodied sexuality. And that leads into setting the lover space. And the lover space adds that extra dimension of carving out precious time for connection. The bed is made, the fascinator's on there so you can get, you know, you don't have to worry about getting lube on your sheets and the light is nice and the music is nice and there's a pitcher of water and there's a stack of fresh towels. You know, all of these things add to the, hey, we're taking a moment here. We're, we're, we're really, a lot of people, they either think sex should just be this spontaneous yes, thing. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it doesn't work as well when it's spontaneous, except once in a while, You're random occurrences. Right. right? But tr- try to convince people because the, the myth of that. And I was uh, in an earlier podcast, we did talk about uh, spontaneous versus, uh, I think even in this podcast, we, we also share that information. No, but in terms of spontaneous versus planned sex. Yeah. And even though people in their minds think that the spontaneous sex is best, mm-hmm. it, the, the planned sex actually can be far more satisfying because of all the things you just described, because you're adding, you're taking time to add all of these things. Whereas yeah. in spontaneous sex, like pull down your pants, let's go. You know, yes. it's not the same thing. It's, it doesn't involve all those senses. It's, it, it creates an experience and it also facilitates relaxation. And so many, especially male bodied partners, they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, how do I turn her on faster? How do I get her going? And their notion is I've got to twist the knobs and push the buttons and get her turned on. When in reality, especially if you're making love to a woman, she's estrogen dominant. And so she has a lot of things going on in her head at the same time. She's not single-minded. She's multitasking. It's the molecule of multitasking. It's the molecule of safety, our our estrogen. It keeps us safe because we are prey. And so for us, we don't, we, we can't really achieve the level of turn on that is possible for us until we're calmed down, relaxed, in our body, arousal begins at a foundation of relaxation for us and setting the lover space, making sure that there's not a laundry basket full of clothes that need to be folded and all these things that are distracting us. It helps us really get in our body. Exactly. So the lover space, I think, is very important. The next one is presence. And it goes back to that. The masculine or let's just say the testosterone dominant human beings in all of us, in our world, they are very goal oriented. They want to have sex and make you come. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and come the pro- themselves. Yes. <laughs> what? And come themselves. And come themselves. Right, right. And uh, that's great. Hey, who doesn't want to do that? I do. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to do me instead of be with me, when you're strategizing in your head, when you're having trouble lasting and you're using techniques like I'm going to think about my grandma's panty panties or do math, you know, all of these things separate us rather than deepen our connection, our limbic and our emotional connections. And so the, the idea of women learning that 
sex is a mindfulness practice and that you keep having to bring yourself back to sensation and heart connection rather than drifting off and thinking about the things you need to do. And for testosterone partners, thinking that it's about women want two things in their sexuality with their male body partners. The top two, they want a lot of things, but the top two things they want are good grooming. Number one. Yes. They don't want a dirty old Shrekky guy. And number two, they, they want emotional connection, which means presence. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. So that piece, you yes. say something? Yeah, I was just going to ask you in terms of communicating that to a partner who may not be minded in that because it's not what they need. How does a, a, a female bodied person who is seeking that connection is seeking well groomed? Like, how do you approach that without it coming off as critical and ego damaging or what have you? What is advice that you can give to women to? let a partner know this is what I need. Yeah. Um, I think often the straight path is the way mm-hmm. <clears throat> that um, if there's something that's bothering you, let's just say grooming, let's just say there's this wiry little hair that he missed <laughs> on his penis that's sticking out and you're going down on him. And every time you you're stroking his cock on your lips, it's, bothering you and you can't relax and take your pleasure you're just like where are the tweezers you have to no god that's so mean the tweezers (laughs) (laughs) only if he's into only if he's into pain um you have to say hey babe there's a little hair that's kind of taking me out of my turn on i was wondering if you'd hop up and go to the bathroom and just shave that off or there's a little patch right here that's missing i'll be able to relax a lot more and take the pleasure that i love to take when i'm going down on you i mean of course he's going to do that right so it's it's really just you know asking for what you need in a really straightforward way that is there's no blame game um i think that's important so hmm. this this notion of being present and being present to what you need as much as be and what your body wants, which is part of the sexual soulmate pact. It's really tuning into the fact that every day we're different. We want different things. We're sexually evolving all the time. Yes. The things we wanted yesterday are not the things we want today. And um, I think that's very important. And then the, then the final one, the, the sixth essential is something that I call erotic play dates. So I end up getting communicated to by a lot of men in long-term monogamous, heterosexual monogamous relationships whose wives don't want to have as much sex as they do. Right. That's super, 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 super normal. And I like to help men with that because if she used to like having sex with you, you can get back to it. If she never did, then... You've got some other decisions to make. There's some trauma or religious shame or whatever it might be, which is really a shame. Uh, So setting this idea of men, I'm going to generalize here, men and women in a heterosexual monogamous relationship, he's trying to get sex all the time. And when he thinks about sex, he thinks about intercourse. And so he's always trying to get intercourse. And the problem is that after he's had intercourse with her and she hasn't had great orgasms and he's rushed her to intercourse and he hasn't done enough of the kinds of things that get a woman really aroused and there's not enough novelty and variety in the relationship, she just doesn't want to do it. If she's not making sex dates with you, this is always my goal with a guy who's come to me for help. I have a program called Revive Her Drive and I I send him off to start with that and then have him report back (laughs) Um, because every woman is so different. Every dynamic is so different. But when he can get her to the point where she he can read her initiation signals and she's starting to initiate because that's the other thing. She's like, I'm making it so loud and clear that I want him to have sex with me. And he doesn't even know. And he just walks around all like a victim and grumpy because he says, I never have sex with him. And I'm constantly, te- but he can't read her signal. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff too. So one of the most important things is for guys to get out of the mindset of getting to intercourse and start being more interesting and playful in bed. And the notion that you can schedule yeah. erotic play dates 
to learn new things, that takes the pressure off of having to have intercourse and it ultimately nets you more intercourse. So one of the things that I recently did, you know, I started out doing techniques and then I did bedroom communication skills. And then I added in the third leg of the stool, which is sexual health and wellness. Oh, it, it hurts to have sex. I don't have lubrication. I've got incontinence or for him, you know, I, I can get hard, but I can't stay hard. I come too fast. I can't seem to come, you know, whatever it might be. I'm, I'm not peeing all night helping with the intimate wellness, the sexual wellness, the regenerative therapies and things like that. And talking about it, being able to talk about, because what I'm finding in my practice is men start to avoid instead of confronting, right? So if I'm having this issue, I'm going to avoid uh, sex because then I don't have to talk about this issue that I have because I don't know how to talk about this issue and I don't know how to go get help. So there's so, there's so many layers to achieving this, you know, wonderful sexual experiences because there's so many factors that come into play. But I want to circle back to what you were saying about women because here's the complaint and something I find women have a hard time communicating. But mm-hmm. when I say the words to them, they're going, yeah, that's it. So oftentimes I see couples who are disconnecting and mm-hmm. they disconnect because, well, they part of the the expression of that disconnection is lack of um, lack of the showing of love, lack of affection and what have you. And when I dig further, what I'm finding is that the women, rem- they're distancing themselves from affection because every time they're affectionate or they want affection, their partner mm-hmm. reads the signal as, oh, maybe I can maybe I can entice her to have more or go further or my hand starts to wander to her breasts or whatever. And the women start to feel that as pressure Mm -hmm. and, and they're not getting what they need. So Mm -hmm. they're just going to move away from that. It's like, no, if I can't get what I need. So, so being able to actually express that to a partner to say, could I have some non-sexual touch? Can I have some of that affection? Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the, if you get, if you're giving her all of that, she, you will get more sex in the end because she will feel more connected and, and a lot warmer towards you and not feel this pressure that all you want is sex from me. Yes. Right. Well, there's two things I want to answer uh, about that. And I agree with you. Um, I wanted to go back to one thing about the when the equipment stops working and people disconnect, because once I explain to a, a, a penis owner, okay, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to take nitric oxide. You need to go get a series of gains waves. You need to uh, use a vacuum erection device. And if you have more money, you could also get PRP injected into your penis or stem cells or exosomes. All of that is what, what I call a biohacking stack or a sexual regenerative, Mm -hmm. you know, set of therapies that restore erectile function. And for women, I say to them, get, start taking nitric oxide supplementation. I actually have, I actually have a uh, supplement company where I make an organic nitric oxide booster because it's so, we, people think it's my hormones when actually it's the lack of blood flow because we have as much genital tissue and erectile tissue as our male body partners are. And we don't, we don't even think about that. So Take a nitric oxide supplement, use a red light therapy intravaginal device of a, it's a vagina device. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's so good. Go get your Femi wave treatments. And then if you want, get your PRP exosome stem cells on top of that. That reverses. It gets the lubrication back. It, it gets rid of the painful sex and the thinning tissue. And if you're open to it, I recommend bioidentical estrogen hormone replacement as well and add some testosterone in there while there you're lot, talking to your doctor. You I know? think what you're saying is there are lots of things to be looked at. So that's right. You also want to take care of the physical part of it and the physical health, but yeah. be able to, instead of avoiding it, yes. talk about fix it. it, fix it, look at what your options are. Yeah. These days there are like, you just listed off a whole bunch of stuff that uh of course that are are new technologies that are yeah. evolving every day there's new studies there's new so there's a lot to keep up with yeah. uh and it's far better to confront than to avoid because I, yeah. a lot of people give up right they especially aging women i mean that's why i wrote my book which the sex bible for people over 50 was, i love that i was, have it 
Oh, yay. Uh, <laughs> was just so exactly for that purpose was to show people that, hey, there are options. And of course, since I wrote that book, there have been way more new techniques yes. and new things that, you know, Dr. Brandeis has, we've had him on yeah, the show yeah, talking about yeah, good friend. Uh, all kinds of stuff. So obviously yeah. there's things to, to be looked at, but all of yeah. this requires bottom line requires communication. So it communication does. with your partner, but, con- you know, looking at yourself in the mirror, talk to yourself like, Hey, what's going on with you kid? You know, like let's, let's deal with this. And then being able to share with your partner and then talking to your doctors about it. And so all of these things, we have barriers to break down. I can't believe in this, in this generation that we're in, that we're still struggling with a taboo around simply talking about, uh, sexuality. And I'm, I'm happy to see the tides turning in my in while I'm here on earth to see that we're talking more and more about sexual wellness, sexual health and and people like you and and uh, Dr. Brandeis and other mm-hmm. people who are studying sexual wellness, lots of sites now, lots of lots of help is out there yeah. that I want people to access. And I think that's my main message is access the help that's there. Let let us help you talk about it and let us mm-hmm. help you have better sexuality because it's such a wonderful part of life. Yeah. And now I'd love to answer the question that you also posited. I just wanted to backtrack to let people know this is the stack of things that will reverse all of those aging issues. Mm -hmm. So what do you do when, so, so there's three, there's three kind of concepts that I like people to understand. And the first is when you're dealing with and this is what you posited, a, a man who um, is kind of like trying to touch his woman and she feels like he's just trying to get sex. Right, and so right. she pulls away. So there's three things. The one is that I talked to, I talked to guys about something called the bullseye touch technique, which is you've got to start from the outside in with women. You want us to touch your penis immediately and start making out with you. You're ready to go because you're testosterone dominant, right. you're hornier, you masturbate every day or so, you know, you're just you're just kind of in your sexuality a little more deeply on a general basis. Most people right, are. Right. And um, it's always a bell curve. So what she needs is for you to stroke her hair and kiss her eyelids and kiss her neck and hold her and um, just, you know, touch her whole body, not grab, not mm-hmm. grab her by and the And outside uh, of the bedroom yeah. and not just in the bedroom. That's the key right. here is it has Everywhere. to be happening, be happening outside of the bedroom. And then the second thing that I do, I have a little, I have a little, little tiny ebook called the passion patch that basically gives guys 10 different ways to touch their woman that are, they ride the line. They are sensual. Yes. They are loving. They are masculine. They are caretaking, but they are a turn on for a woman, for mm-hmm. a woman, mm-hmm. like resting your hand on her knee just above her knee on her thigh while you're driving in the car. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like a claiming Um, the holding hand and squeezing and encircling the wrist is like, it's literally an ancient tantric technique for arousal in a funny little thing, the small of the back, the sacrum, you know, touching her there. You're not touching her vulva. You're not touching her breast, but it's, it's sensual for a woman to be touched touch there. So these kinds of things I think are really important. And then the third one, which I think is so nice, it's part of my sexual soulmate series. And it's, it's called the soulmate embrace. And it's at soulmateembrace.com. It's another, it's another PDF download that teaches you the steps. And for most men, well, what's interesting is I teach, I teach them catch and release, which is you, you walk by her, you grab her up and, you know, not, not grab her, but you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you embrace her, you look at her, you tell her you love her, she's beautiful. And then you let her go and walk away. So you're not, she doesn't feel like you're glomming onto her. Like right, you're like, right. you've got not her roping. Right. Right. So that, but, but then the other piece of it is that a lot of times when we're held by our partners, we, they hold us and we go, ah, True. And they let us go like we're done and we're just getting started. We need a long time of holding to let down, get out of our monkey mind, let our fluids start to run, let our 
tears come to our eyes, get things off our chest, have you give us full body strokes like a kitty cat from the top down. Um, and so once guys are like, okay, I got the bullseye. All right. I'm going to hold her longer. I'm going to do the catch and release. I'm going to touch her in these areas. Once he starts knowing those things, she goes from all he was doing was grabbing me. Right. To, wow, I feel like he loves me again. Right. So giving him, giving her the kind of touch that she needs. But I also teach women, he wants you to touch his penis immediately. It's calming for him. It's the opposite of what you want. <laughs> he, you, for the bullseye for the dude is start right at the bullseye because then he's like, ah, everything's going to be okay. I just have to be patient. I know I need to do quote unquote foreplay. I don't even like the word foreplay. I don't like the whole notion of foreplay and sex. I think that it comes from religiosity when sex was for procreation only. And the only thing that counted was intercourse. Right. Right. I mean, women got so short changed in that whole patriarchal religiosity paradigm. And so I really don't like the idea that all, but that being held is foreplay sex to me. Yeah. Me too. I I talk about it as all of those things are part of sex that are everything that happens erotically and, and with all that tenderness and touch, it's all part of sexuality. And one of the things I talk about a lot is, is how we have to redefine or extend our definition of what sex is. And you're Mm -hmm. so right. But again, you know, if we circle back and go back to the theme of this podcast, it's about communicating that and be able Mm -hmm. to get on the same page together. So, but we have to have conversations Mm -hmm. about that. I could talk to you all day. Clearly there's lots and lots to talk about, but maybe we'll have you back on to do a show about, about dirty talk. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of people are into that dirty talk and don't know how to do it or, or feel very uncomfortable, like Mm -hmm. feel, you know, feel too dirty doing the dirty talk maybe, or there's a lot of shame based stuff around that. So Mm -hmm. maybe we can, uh, we can get a sexy one about that. Yeah. 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 Really good dirty talker. You're going to give us some lessons, (laughs) lessons. We're going to call it lessons on dirty talk with Susan. (laughs) That's coming up next on passion. Uh, Susan, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on for that. I thank you so much for your time. So nice to meet you. And again, we'll have all the links up for our listeners to be able to reach you and, and see all the amazing work that you, uh, that you do. So thank Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You take the headlines to headboards. This is sex in the news. Our crazy sex story is every mom and dad's nightmare. What do you do when your six-year-old hears you getting it on? Uh, Who will be traumatized more? The little one or mom and dad? We'll find out. Uh, First headlines, uh, the German Catholic bishops are backing blessings for same-sex couples. We've seen more and more of these in the headlines from different parts of the world. Uh, This is good to see. Uh, yes, and this is a very interesting article, actually. Uh, so there's this thing called the uh, Synodal, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Assembly, which is focused on reforming the church. And they adopted a paper in Frankfurt a couple weeks back to allow for same-sex couples to have their relationships blessed by the German Catholic Church from uh, 2026. Of the 202 members of this assembly, 176 voted in favor of the paper, while 14 against and 12 abstained. Allowing blessing ceremonies for same-sex couples has been among the key demands of the synodal path reform process, which has been ongoing since 2019. The progressive movement also seeks to end celibacy for priests and see women ordained as deacons. According to the German Catholic news agency KNA, blessings would also be allowed for civilly remarried and divorcees. Um, they reported that there was a recommendation that the German Bishops' Conference and the Central Committee of German Catholics develop and introduce appropriate liturgical celebrations in a timely manner. The three years for the change to take effect are to be used to develop the liturgical format of the ceremony with the participation of the bishops. 
The church in Germany launched the reform movement and amid re- record numbers of Germans leaving congregations and sex abuse scandals involving the church. Church membership dropped for, uh, below 50% for the first time in mm. 2021. The Vatican has in the past made it clear that it views the synodal path's calls for addressing homosexuality, celibacy, and women in the church as divisive and warned those calls could cause a um, fracture. Uh, There's a danger of a rift occurring within the church on the issue, as has been seen within the Anglican church. So as you can see, we're seeing a shift, and this is out of Germany, but this is happening everywhere. I mm-hmm. mean, I think we've reported on this in the past, not not with Germany, but with the other countries. Uh, the church needs a big revamp, and it's gotten really bad, <laughs> bad press when you think about everything that's been going on and sex abuse scandals left, right, mm-hmm. and center. So, Well, I mean, there's certainly positive news in the opening it up more for the uh, gay community for sure, because I I just imagine a lot of people that went to school, attended church as a young person, and then become discouraged that they didn't feel they were welcome there, even though they maybe believed in the message and the guidance and the support and all the things that a church can bring to a person's life. Um, I wonder if it's too late. Like, did some of those people give up on their church because they felt ostracized? Or is this that moment where they're like, finally, we've broke through and I I can go back and feel comfortable or I'm sure there's a lot of people that are still going that, you know, are under the radar, but still have that level of discomfort, which maybe it opens it up for them. Uh, But the other positive is I think getting women more into the church in leadership roles. And because again, that's been missing for so many years. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, like in, in reform Judaism, for example, you have female rabbis, Mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and uh, and gay rabbis and things like that. So, yes, I think that uh, the ties are, are changing to fit what people want and what works for them. So instead of like the more extreme uh, traditional uh, church values or Catholic teachings, for example, people are wanting a more modernized version of it. It's not that mm-hmm. they don't want morality or any of that stuff, but some of these, um, you know, uh, highly restrictive uh, views don't just don't fit the society we live in today, I guess. No, they're archaic in a lot of ways. Exactly. I just want to pause for a moment because as we move to our next high, our next headline coming out of uh, talking about the church, just a little pause till we go into the headline that is men will be happy because the average penis size is up by a quarter <laughs> a quarter of what <laughs> i know i thought i read this and i go oh men are going to be so happy about this the, yeah. I, which is so interesting i'm not sure what's going on here but i thought hey Woo-hoo. we need to report on this because hey this is like big news i'm surprised this didn't make headlines everywhere how is um, CNN not have this on a scroll no, right now? No, Anderson Cooper did not report on this, so I yeah. found this very interesting. Uh, so here, the headline, uh, studies of men from around the world show that the length of the erect penis has grown 24% over the last 30 years. So there's a good chance your dick is bigger than your father's dick. <laughs> In that case. Um <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Exactly. I didn't bring my dad into it at all until you did. Right. Ask him. Uh, So in a study that was published in the World Journal of Men's Health, researchers studied the data from 75 studies conducted between 1942 and 2021 that discussed the penile length of over 55,000 men. The research showed that the average erect penis length increased by 24% over 29 years, a trend they saw around the world. The average length of the erect penis across all regions and decades was about 5.5 inches, which we've reported on before. Uh, The decline in sperm quality and testosterone levels over the last few decades, prompted this doctor, Dr. Michael Eisenberg, a professor of urology at Stanford, 
to take up the study. Eisenberg said that the increase in penile length may be an indicator that environmental exposures, such as pollutants or increasing sedentary lifestyles, are causing reproductive-related changes. Penile length may not be directly related to fertility, but anything that changes the reproductive system is fundamental to human existence and something we should pay attention to and try to understand why. He thinks the change in length might be explained by earlier puberty. Boys like Mm. girls have been reaching puberty earlier in recent years, probably giving their bodies a longer time to grow overall. So that's interesting. He says, if we're seeing this fast of a change, it means that something powerful is happening to our bodies. We should try to confirm these findings. And if confirmed, we must determine the cause of these changes. It could be a number of factors at play, such as chemical exposures to pesticides or hygiene products disrupting our hormonal systems. Chemical exposure has been posited as a cause for boys and girls going into puberty earlier, which can affect genital development. And I'm hearing guys saying, to hell with getting poisoned by chemicals. Give me the dick. (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm just celebrating the extra quarter. You know, I think uh, it's good news. Uh, Well, it's good news news and not so good news because it sounds like we are mutating, right? Like... We're mutating. Yeah, we're mutating with bigger dicks. We're so. mutating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Holy shit. Yeah. Our crazy sex story, a six-year-old. Oh, these six-year-olds. Uh, the headline is, my six-year-old heard me having sex. People are saying I traumatized her. So this is a mom who actually has gone completely viral on TikTok uh, for sharing her daughter's reaction to hearing her and her husband have sex. So this article says, so when J.C. Underwood and her husband, Matt, tried to steal a few minutes to themselves, they were disappointed to find out that their six-year-old had heard the entire thing. But even worse than that, she was terrified at what she heard. The incident prompted a wider debate about whether or not it's ethical to have sex while your child is asleep in the house. So this is what we're going to be talking about. Um, I mean, seriously. Uh, In the video... um, Matt comes into the bedroom to inform JC that their daughter is crying because she heard mommy screaming. She wanted to make sure you're okay, so I think you should go talk to her, Matt tells his wife. When JC goes into her daughter's room to check in on her, her six-year-old says through tears, I heard you screaming and I wanted to know what's wrong, but no one was answering me. Her mom reassures her, oh, our door was closed. I'm so sorry. Uh, It was like you were hurt or something. And the mom says, oh, no, I'm not hurt. I'm sorry that I scared you. I thought you were so asleep. I love you. Uh, In a hilarious and unexpected ending, the girl says, I also heard you ordering pizza. (laughs) JC later clarified in the comments that she and Matt were, in fact, just ordering pizza. And this wasn't like a weird pizza ordering sex noise thing. (laughs) Give Um, me anchovies. Give me anchovies. Uh, Unfortunately, the video spurred some intense reactions. Many people laughing with the couple, but others criticized the pair for traumatizing their child. Some even recommended they get a hotel room or hire a babysitter if they want to have sex that bad. Here's a couple of comments. Having sex when your children are home is weird. Full stop. Excuse me? Really? (laughs) Then none of us would be having sex, would we? Yeah, what a strange thing to do in your own home. I mean, holy shit. Uh, Be careful with this. I have a lot of weird sexual trauma from hearing my parents having sex. It used to make me shake with fear. Um, (laughs) This is a a person that commented on that. Uh, A similar exchange happened when someone commented, I'm traumatized from my mom screaming when I was younger. Definitely not going to have my daughter experience that. Um, another one slammed the mom saying, this isn't funny in the slightest. If you have a child in the house, why would you scream during intercourse with your partner? Children don't know what you're doing. And even if they did, it's incredibly disrespectful and traumatizing for her. Others argue that pretending sex doesn't exist or that sexual desire is inherently immoral is actually more damaging to kids in the long run. Another user, this is totally normal. Like, yes, you might have gotten carried away, but you're not an awful parent for having sex. Like, 
yeah, how, how do you tell people not to have sex while children are in the home? Aren't we all in that situation for like 18 years? You know, aren't we like stuck with children in the house? Yeah. Look, if you can plan it out when the kids are away or they're having naps, all those things, it's a, you know, that's good strategy. But well, sometimes, sometimes it happens. And look, kids are the worst. Like, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. But like, the kid was sitting there and heard them ordering pizza. That that's a little eavesdropper. She's got to mind her own business. Like, <laughs> well, she's hold on, little... poor thing. Listen, yeah. the, I think the parents did their due diligence by they checked to make sure their kid was asleep. So yeah. you're just going to assume if your kid is asleep that it's okay. Now, maybe you want to. This will teach you maybe not to scream so loud or make so much noise. How the, how like there are strategies that you can put in place like. When my kids were young, I made sure I had a lock on my door. The last thing I wanted was my kids to come in. So I would lock the door to my bedroom and unlock it when we were done. I would make sure that I turn on the TV. Absolutely. Play some music. Try to keep the volume, uh, you know, down a little bit. (laughs) Right. So uh, then you take uh, their favorite movie and you put it on in the living room with the volume up. And you have some treats out there. So if they go down to the living room, they discover their favorite movie and treats. They never bother you. That's in the, That's if you're going to have like a little morning tryst or afternoon <laughs> delight. Then you stick them in front of a TV. So there are certainly things you can do. And I, I remember speaking to parents saying, yeah, the only place we ever have sex is in the bathroom because that's, that's where we have a lock and the kids don't come in. <laughs> We're taking a shower, you know, like so people get creative. It's about getting creative. I don't think you need to worry about having traumatized her to that degree. She'll probably no. have forgotten all about it. Look, Dad was bringing the steam. Clearly, he, he was having the performance of his lifetime. <laughs> he didn't want to... Like, <laughs> he, ordered a, uh, he, he was ready to order a pizza afterwards. I just find it interesting how people on TikTok... Like, that's why I report these stories, is like to see the reactions of people, the judgment of people. Oh, it blows my mind sometimes when I think of like, really... Get a life, people. Yeah. Like, you're judging this this mom? Like, seriously? I will only judge the mom because she also put it on social media, which, quite frankly, she didn't need to do. Uh, you know, I throw that out there. Like, if you want to find out yeah. uh, how you're impacting your kid, you know, call some of your friends and have a conversation. You don't need to throw it up on social media. Uh, listen, I, I don't disagree, but at the same time, she was also probably reaching out like showing the world that hey i'm not alone i like she knew she wasn't alone in this like who hasn't experienced that um, to some degree right and who hasn't worried about that so i think it was her putting it out there now uh, yeah anybody who goes on tiktok and exposes themselves obviously there's some little bit of exhibitionism there a little bit of attention seeking like we could read into it all we want (laughs) but the reality is everybody, you know, how so many people use TikTok just to, to to record their life. And this is just a life event. Ha ha, look what happened to me. So funny. And then you have all these people kind of commenting on it. So you just, and maybe she never expected it to go viral. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're saying people go on social media to get attention? <laughs> this yeah. is news to me. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Oh, good times. Uh, On the next edition of Passion, we'll talk about why men have trouble taking care of themselves. We really are the worst. Well, we've had those conversations, right? About Mm -hmm. why is it that guys wait so long when something's wrong to to go we've had people sending in questions uh hey i got this thing on my penis like and i'm like why aren't you at the doctors why are you waiting for me to answer this question when you should be running to the doctor when something is weird about your body and men tend to wait longer way longer than women and it it's going to affect their sexual wellness so we we're actually going to talk to somebody who really works in that area she just works exclusively with men So uh, it'll be interesting to get her perspective on this. All right. That's uh, coming up in a bit. Of course, uh, some people to thank this time around. Absolutely. Uh, First of all, special thanks to uh, one of our supporters, WODMTL. It's a boutique gym 
in Montreal. Uh, it's in the West Island of Montreal. So if you are in and around those parts, then you might want to check them out. W-O-D-M-T-L. Thank you so much to Stephen Voice, our musical director. All the music you hear on this podcast is his original music, which he has given us full permission to to use as we see fit. Uh, so thank you to Stephen Voice, V-O-Y-C-E. You can check him out on YouTube uh, and check out his music everywhere else. Uh, Alex is our social media coordinator. Linda is one of our researchers. Thank you very much. And thanks to you, John, and to our listeners who mm-hmm. uh, make, you know, it's, they're the reasons we do this anyway. That is why we do it. Of course, uh, if you are uh, listening on a platform that allows you to give a like, a comment, a share, a review, please do that because it helps the algorithms tell more people to come and join us here on the podcast, and it would be very much appreciated. Yes. Uh, Till next time, Dr. Lori, we will chat next week. We shall. Take care, John. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. To submit questions, business inquiries, or just to connect, visit drlori.com. Thank you for supporting Passion. Passion.